Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. I like that thought. He said, what makes a man go to certain death? Mateship. Paid a cost for someone else. Someone had to go. So instead of my mate going, I'm going. I love the thought that it was a bigger than just himself, the thought that they've got each other's back. They looked after each other, they served each other, they lead each other, they respect each other. Even in differences, they loved each other. And I, and I say loved because if you spoke that word probably to a soldier, they'd probably think of love to you. But that love, being able to sacrifice yourself for someone else, that's the greatest love you could ever do. The love of standing beside your, your friend or your mate as you're fighting, I, I can't help but think that uh, the bonds that would have been between them, so strong in that time, that equity and diversity thought, that even though everyone is different, in that time and that moment where we stand together, all of a sudden we're the same. All of a sudden the problems of the world disappear. All of a sudden the the hurts and the pains and everything else goes because we're focused and even though we're all different and we're carrying different things, in that moment we're all the same. And I can't help but think it's just, just like us in the church. In that moment where we sat there this morning asking for the Holy Spirit to come upon us, can you imagine we were all the same? Didn't matter what we're carrying and didn't matter where we're going to, but we're all the same. We're standing before the Father in one I'm thinking about mateship and I'm, I'm thinking about the stories that, that I had when I was younger. And we've all had mates. But have you noticed it's, it's those times that when, when things bad happen or something really good happens that you're joined and you become really close friends. And I'm thinking about one, one friend who was a really bad driver and, and the, the time he rolled his car several times and we're all inside with no seatbelts on. And somehow in that moment of, of rolling and, and Going through that story, it bonded us together. And even though the story has probably embellished a whole heap, in that moment we became knitted together. Well, there's a story where, where you know, we were out walking in, in NZ and one of our friends, one of the girls, fell over and broke her leg and we had to carry her out for hours. We couldn't hold on our backs because her leg was broken and we had to carry her out because there's no way of getting her out. In that moment, all of a sudden, we became mates more than what we ever were. We became closer than what we ever were. I'm thinking we first moved into our estate where we lived. And after we'd lived in there a little while, there was a huge storm and the houses down the road, the, the water was coming down and going into the front doors and we all got, went out there with shovels and dug trenches around the people's houses. And in that moment, all of a sudden, we became good friends with our neighbours. In a football field, when that person keeps breaking through the line and you've had enough of breaking through that line, so you throw your body on the line and, and you find out that he breaks you as well. But in that moment, you become mates. You become closer together. That moment for us, where we become mates. And that this moment in time, we're, we're, we're standing here this morning, we're sitting here this morning. And can I, can I ask you, if you were to look around this auditorium at the people sitting here, what makes the difference between just coming in and just being a person that you see and you know their name possibly, to that moment we become good friends, where you become mates, someone you can trust, 
someone who's got your back, someone who's willing to go over the trench for you, someone who's willing to pay the cost for you. When does that happen for us? This thought of mateship. And on, on Anzac Day, as we stand here, we remember what the soldiers did for us. What joins us together? What is the glue that holds us together? What is the thing that we're all in common here? We can say it's Jesus, but what is the outworking for that as a body of believers here at Highway Gilston? What is the outworking of that for a body of believers here in Gilston, for a body of believers here on the Gold Coast, and a body of believers here in Australia? What is the outworking of that? I'd like to read a, um, a psalm today, and it's called the Soldier's Psalm. And you probably all know it, it's Psalm 91. And I'm just going to read the whole thing and then we're going to bring a few quick thoughts out of it. And it's, it goes, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from, this, from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under his wing you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up with their hands so you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample, trample on the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. I will protect you. For he acknowledges my name he will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him with honor. And with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the psalm that a lot of the soldiers recited before they left the trenches to go over to face the bullets. This is the psalm that they recited every single day in World War I. This is the psalm where World War II they, they wore it. They had dog tags with Psalm 91 written on it. They had bandanas with Psalm 91 on it. And I was, when I was researching this, I was researching what soldiers had found by reciting Psalm 91, and there were all these miraculous occurrences that, that happened just after they'd, they'd said this prayer. And I read testimony after testimony after testimony how God had intervened. Maybe he hadn't saved them, but God had the supernatural things that happened on the battlefield after they'd recited this psalm. And at the very first, at the start of the psalm, as you know and I probably know, it's all about God. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. And the way the psalm starts out, it states four names for God. The first name in verse 1 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High. That word in Hebrew is Elion. It means he's above everything we're going through. It doesn't mean he's something we're looking out, out in the future and saying there's this God that's way up here. 
He's saying, when I'm going through the situation, I'm about to crash my car, that God is here with me. He's over that. It's saying where I'm going through a health difficulty. Can you imagine that the Most High is still over you? He's sheltering you when things are going wrong. And can we imagine the troops as they're in the, the trenches, sitting there and they're reciting the psalm, prophesying, I suppose, saying, this is the God Most High and He's going to shelter me at this time, no matter what I'm going through. In verse 4 it says, He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Today, we, do we know what it's like to put God above all things? We've probably never been in that situation that they were in. But I'm, I'm reminded, and Claire's given this testimony before, as she was crashing our car. And the very thought that came into it as she was crashing the car with all the kids inside was Jesus. The very first thought, because that was the shelter. That was the shelter that you reside under when everything's going wrong. We don't turn to anything else. We shelter under Jesus or under God. I wonder as they went over that trench, thinking about their family and their friends, I can't imagine the pain of going up there, especially if you've got children at home and you're going over that trench. Can you imagine their last hope? It's not like us sitting here this morning and saying, God, I trust in you. They had everything on the line. This was in God we trust. And how much they would have relied on living under the shelter of his wings at that moment. See, in verse 9 of that same psalm, it says, If you say the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. Are we dwelling under the shelter of his wings? Do we know what it's like that even though the outside and externally things might be going wrong, internally everything's fine because I'm under the shelter of his wings? The God, the most high God. The next word for God in verse 2, oh, sorry, it's still in verse 1, and will rest under the shadow of the Almighty. Almighty. And that word Almighty is Shaddai, we say El Shaddai. A mighty, powerful God above our imagination. Can we not limit him because of what we've been taught, what we think? Can we imagine this all-powerful God? Not a Thor. Not an Iron Man. Not whatever Marvel speaks, but he's above all those people. This is a God that's above every other God. And what's more is this is a God that's above every other God. And somewhere way back in history... Way back before the very beginning of time, this God, and you know he's free, so he made the decision to be a good God. He actually made the decision to, that this is the best way to live, so I'm going to be a good God. I'm going to be the one that shows love and compassion and mercy. And I'm also going to be a holy God, but he made that decision because he's God, he can do whatever he wants. And out of that, he made the decision to look down and to say, I'm going to love these people here even though they reject me. Almighty God. See, the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. And this mighty, almighty God is one we can trust. See, in verse 3, it says once again, he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. And he has more than enough power to be able to do that. We can rest in him. But it says if we can rest in the shadow of the mighty. That means to abide. 
That means not just to go and, and sit under him when we, need, when we need him. That means to abide. And that word, word abide means to live or to stay somewhere. Can we stay there consistently? We might not feel like it, but can we make the decision to live under the shadow of the Almighty? It's the same God that made the sun stand still. He walked on water. He parted the sea. He shut up lions' mouths. He healed the leper. He forgave the sinner. And he set me free. That is the same God, this almighty God. The question is, I suppose this morning, if he's done all that stuff in the past, why are we limiting our God, the almighty God, for the future, for what's in our lives? Because I read in verse 5 and 6, once again, you will not fear the terror by night. Because there's an almighty God on my side. Nor the arrow that fires by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Because I've got a mighty God on my side. A mighty God on my side. Let's not waste what these men and women have done because once again, they recited the psalm before they went over the top. Knowing that there's an almighty God, an almighty God that looks after me. The next word for God is Lord, verse 2. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. And that word Lord in Hebrew is Yahweh. Or Y-H-W-H something they really couldn't pronounce too well. You know, is he your personal Lord this morning? A Lord that maybe we will not be able to pronounce properly. But is he your Lord? Because he actually said he is. He is my refuge and fortress. He is my redeemer. He is my creator. He is my shield. He is my buckler. That is who he is. That is my Lord. In Psalm 46, verses 1 to 3, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Our God is our refuge and strength, because he is your peace. He is your hope. He is your friend. He is your saviour. He is your redeemer. He is your master. And he is asking us this morning, is he your king? He is asking us this morning, will we follow him? He is asking us this morning, will you love me? He is asking us this morning, will you follow me? Because that's what he said to the disciples. He did not have a salvation moment where they all came to the front. He said, will you follow me? This psalm was written by Moses. And I'm not sure it was written what stage of, or they're pretty sure it was written by Moses. And I don't know whether he was saying this before he went through the desert. And he was prophesying over those things before he went through the pestilence and the plague and the terrors by night. Or he was speaking afterwards, after they'd been through the desert. And he's reminding himself of what happened. Because here is a man that speaks about sitting under the shadow of his wing. Can you imagine during the day, when they're in the heat of the desert, the Israelites, and there's a pillar of cloud before them. And there's a shadow coming out of that pillar of cloud, and it's keeping the sun off them in the heat of the day. 
Can you imagine at night and freezing cold in the desert and there's a, a pillar of fire standing before them? And the heat from that, that pillar of fire is, is warming their hearts during the night. And is he saying that this is prophesying and saying this is something that's going to happen or is he saying this is my experience? And all these things that he's speaking about here is just from his personal experience of what happened. And I can't help but think this can be our personal experience as we go through our lives. This can be our testimony, Psalm 91, as we press into him. He says that I am the answer, and he is, because I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Can you imagine the soldiers with that thought? Yet though I die, yet shall I live. As that bullet hit and they take their last breath, taking that step into eternity with their saviour. You know, COVID, we remember Anzac and uh, we think of COVID, there is, there is nothing between them. COVID is a nothing compared to what these men went through. And we are so blessed in Australia. In other countries, it's a different story. But during this season, I've seen people, some people from here, step out from under the shadow of the Almighty. Step out and have a different way of a different lifestyle, a different way of doing things. And I've watched their life as they've moved from their Christian experience and they're reinventing their faith in other ways. And I've watched how their, their life has been slowly eroded and now it's slowly being destroyed and I won't go through and say exactly what's happening in people's lives because you might know who they are. But they've stepped out from under his covering and it's like there's a fortress around them or a covering and they've stepped out of the safety and the protection of, of their faith and I'm watching their lives fall apart. Can we make the decision this morning we're not going to step out of his refuge? We are not going to move away. Why would we? Why would we ever step out from the covering? And the last one is my God. This is where it gets personal. Elohim, supreme almighty one. Not us, we're not God. He is my God. In verse 11 to 13 it says, For he will command his angels concerning you, to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up with their hands so you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. This is my God. If you've had children and you've gone into water, whether it's a pool or in the sea, first time you take them into the water, what do they do? They cling on. They cling on like it's their life. They will not let go from you, ever. They look on you because you're their strength, you're their support, you're their shelter. That's, that's who you are. And as you go down that water, they cling in because they're so scared, but they don't let go. They cling in and they cling and they cling. Because we're their mum and their dad. Our God is our mum and our dad. And when we go through tough times, this is personal. This is personal. When I go through tough times, I'm going to cling on to my God. I am not going to let go of my God because he is my God. 
We've got two grandkids. We've got Saul and we've got Margot. Two different personalities. Saul, when we take him into the pool and we, we sit in the middle and we say, jump out. There ain't no way he's jumping out. There ain't no way he's getting out of the shallow end. He, he knows who he is and he's not going to step out. He's all safety and protection. Margot, on the other hand, we sit in the middle of the pool, we say jump in, and she just jumps in boots and all. She trusts. And I'm not having a go at anybody here. I'm not saying anything against any, any child. But who are we? God is standing in the middle of that pool. And do we hang back? And what's worse is when you hang back, you miss out. When you hang back and you're too scared to take that step, you miss out. Or are we going to just jump in boots and all? Believing that our God is going to hold us up. You know, as I said before, a mateship and my friend, his name was David Collins. He's probably never going to listen to this. And he had a Maori Minor. And the car we rolled, and if you know Maori Miners, they're round. So once it started rolling, it kept on rolling. Four people in the car, no seatbelts, rolling and rolling and rolling. When we finished, we, we, we rolled it back on its tyres and drove away. It's, they were those sort of cars. But <laughs> but you know, he bought himself a motorbike a few years later. And he asked me to go on the back and double with him. I was not going to go there. I would not double with that guy. And my, all my fears were realised because he crashed almost every time he hopped on his motorbike. But the thing I like to say is that God is not David Collins. I can hop on the back of my God any day and he's not going to let me down. And all of us have been through life circumstances. All of us have been in the position, it might not be a David Collins that rolls his car, but we've all been in positions where we've been let down, we've been hurt, we've been broken, and we've all put up walls for protection. We've all said, I'm not getting back on that bike again. I'm not going to hop in that car again. And even though we might not know it, it's there. It's there in our lives. And we carry this into our faith quite often. And we sit there and we say, God, I, I need you in my life. I trust you. But in our subconscious, there's this wall that's up there and we don't allow God into that area in our lives. Today, are we going to give it all? Just as they went over the trench, are we going to give it all? Not hold back. Are we going to trust him? Are we going to make this personal that he is my God? He is my God. I'm willing to hop on the bike with him. I'm willing to hop on the back with him. I'm willing to let him steer my life. I'm willing to go where he wants to go, to go as fast as he wants to go, to go whatever he wants to do. I'm just going to sit on the back and I'm going to play my part. And can I encourage you, if you've been through a situation where your life has fallen apart, there may be pain in the night, but let me tell you, if you trust in God, there, may be, there will be joy in the morning. Just as, just as soon as the, the, the dawn comes after the night, that's what's going to happen if you trust in our God. He is my God in everything. The psalmist, in, as he spoke this, had complete trust in God. May we be the same. Because I think about Moses yet again. He died at the age of 120. His eyesight was still 20-20. He was still as strong as ever. And then the two men that followed him, Caleb and Joshua, Caleb says at 80, I'm, God, give me my mountain. I'm going to take my mountain. And Joshua lived to 110 and worked out the works of God. 
Are we going to be to carry on that lineage, standing in the same shoes as Joshua and Caleb? Will you give me my mountain? I'm still going to live. I might not live to an old age, but I'm going to live it really well, this life of mine. I'm not going to let God down. We might not ever get the opportunity to fight for our country, but are we going to fight for our friends? Are we going to fight for our relatives? Are we going to fight for the people we don't even know? That thought of mateship. Who is your mate? Is he the one that passes you in the street? Is it the woman? When we, we went out to a conference this week, and we're walking back, and, and we didn't know what to do. As we're walking back, there was a drunkard on the, on the side of the road, lying on the boat ramp. And he'd been throwing up, and he was sitting there, and he, and he was delirious. And we had to get to the, to the shops to buy something for high school breakfast the next day. And Claire says, what can we do? I don't know what to do. I, I don't know. I, what do we do? This, this guy, where do we send him? What, what do we do? And he looked healthy, and he looked well. He was just drunk. And rightly or wrongly, we, we kept on walking. Probably not a good testimony. We kept on walking and went, through our, went to the shops and did what we had to do and got our stuff and went home. But he was my mate. You know, we have these distinctions in our world, but he was my mate, and I don't know whether I let him down. I don't know whether I could have done anything or not. But can we count that, this, this mateship thought? Not live in our silo, but live for our mates. Not be scared of what's going to happen, but our mates are the ones that need us. You're all mates. I'm a mate. We're willing to put ourselves on the line to pray for each other, to lift each other up, to go out and to meet the ones. Because the very next day we went to high school breakfast and we got the opportunity to speak truth and life into kids' lives at high school breakfast. And I'm thinking, they're my mates. They're the ones. They're the ones. If, if I go over the wall, I'm going over the wall for them because he's my mate. Jesus, with a sacrifice he gave for us, and three days we rose again. You know, 50 days after Jesus died, 50 days later there was Pentecost. And if you know where we are now, we're in this time frame between Easter and Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit was poured out. Are we getting ready for Pentecost? Are we getting ready for Pentecost in our lives? The last thing those soldiers would have wanted as they went over, sure they wanted to be remembered, but they do not want us to live here just in this place of remembrance because then it counts for nothing. They want us to step out and do something with, with the victory that they won, the freedom that they won for us. And because we move into Pentecost where we're going to get armed up. He's going to give us the ammunition we need. He's going to give us the guns we need to go out and fight this war for him. Are we going to step in and are we going to pay the cost, believing that our God is more than able? And these four words that I spoke about God this morning, can we live with that? Live with who he is in our lives. We're going to, come, we're going to remember what they've done this morning. But can I say, if God be for us, who can be against us? We're going to have the opportunity um, after we've had our minute silence this morning to come and to put some poppies at the, the base of this cross, if you'd like to do that in remembrance of your relatives and friends and whatever else it might have been who have served for us. As I said before, my, my dad's dad died the day after the war ended. Armistice was called. The, the weapons were put down. And unfortunately, they did not hear. 
and he was shot and killed the day after. He gave his life still fighting, still fighting the war even after armistice. And I can't help but think the thought, can we be the same? Armistice hasn't happened yet. Let's not put our weapons down. Let's keep fighting. Let's not stop. Because my dad, even though his dad died, why do we always do this? <laughs> you know, World War II happened, and uh, he had lost his hearing in one ear. And when it came to sign up for World War II, even though his dad had died, first day, I'm signing up. He stepped in the breach, knowing what his fate could have been. He wasn't allowed to go and serve because he was deaf in one ear, but he got to be a gunnery sergeant and do his bit. As, as we think of these men, and I'm, and I'm writing this to Anzac, but the heroes of the faith that have gone before us, Can we honour them this morning as we go out and we fight the battle too? Let's remember them this morning.